Welcome to this recording session, the next episode of Imperfect Family. I feel like to start with that, you needed to like rewind our lives for the last 30 seconds so people could hear you making fun of me right before we started recording this. Yes. So, backstory. I called this a session and not an episode, so Chuck's teasing <laughs> me to start out here. I'm very excited to... Uh to talk about what we want to talk about on this recording session. <laughs> How many times are you going to use the word session today? One more time. Let's get this session started. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. Today's episode is Modesty in Marriage. All right, babe, so we want to talk about modesty today, huh? Yeah, um, so you're the one who planned today's episode, and I'm curious to hear why it is that this was on your mind and what led to us talking about it today. I hope no one judges me on how this idea crossed my mind, but this is, this, so I grew up in the church, both of us did, and conversations about modesty all growing up, teenage years, we heard about it all the time, as probably many of our listeners did. And so uh, this is how it came up. So Sunday morning, Easter morning, I was getting dressed, and uh, I don't s- s- super dress up for church normally. But on Easter, I always do. I don't, I don't know if it's just tradition or what, but put on my suit jacket and, you know, my nice pants and, um, and I just said... You looked really snazzy, by the way. Thank you. And that's exactly what happened. I looked in the mirror and I said, man, I look really good. You were not wrong. And it crossed my mind, uh, not just the vanity part of it, but it crossed my mind of like, do I look too good? For church, Ooh, um, and, then, and I don't mean that in like a like a haughty, I'm God's gift to women way, but in a where is the line between looking good and put together, and looking too good? Uh, modesty is always a conversation, almost always been a conversation of like women dressing immodestly, um, and it crossed my mind that man, we don't we almost never talk about it for men. Um, and, and that's a conversation that you and I have had before about, um, I used to be a pastor of a church in Indiana and, um, just how to dress on Sunday mornings in a modest way as the pastor. Um, but in an everyday marriage relationship, this is just a conversation we don't really have very much. And I thought, let's, let's talk about it together. Awesome. I... I guess you and I didn't have that conversation on Sunday. So thanks for sharing that. That is cool to see how your train of thought led to us having this conversation. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a different kind of conversation about modesty because I think in the stage of life we're at, probably most of the conversations happening are how do we make sure that our kids are modest, you know, particularly our daughters. I feel like that's just the driver of the conversation. This conversation, I want to have more of like for you and me um, as a married couple, what does modesty look like um, between us? So 
like like we like to do, why don't we start with just definitions? What is what is modesty? How do we how do we define what we want to talk about today? So I was reading this article or blog post um, by Tim Challies this week about modesty. He had, I think it was a three-part series that he had done about modesty. And the way that he defined it, I thought was just spot on. So honestly, I'm just going to kind of steal it from him um, instead of trying to put it in my own words, because I think he just nails it. He says, the heart of modesty is dressing in a way that you show love to others and bring glory to God. What do you think of that? Interesting. Um, I really like Tim Challies. I've liked him for years. Um, let me think. So, so the two points he's making are you're showing love to others and bringing glory to God in the way that you're dressing. Okay, that's good yourself. because I feel like part of the conversation that I wanted to have today is like I feel there's two extremes with modesty. It's um, the problem is with you, it's not with me um, is one extreme. So what I mean by that would be like, I can wear whatever you I want. I can dress. I can put myself together in whatever way I want. Um, the issue with modesty is in how you interpret or see me. So I feel like that would be one extreme. And I think Charlie's definition kind of attacks that because we would love others in how they perceive us. So um, as an example, the traditional example would be like women. Um, might not want to wear clothes that are suggestive or purposefully attractive to other men in a loving way as to not cause men to uh, think certain thoughts or whatever they might be susceptible to. So I think one extreme would be um, of modesty is to kind of reject it and say the problem's not with me, the, prob- the burden is on you, uh, which I think there is some truth there. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I think we're called to live in the world and not of it. And dressing in a way that is provocative certainly is crossing that line. I think of like, I am of the world, like I'm a part of this. And so I think, I think you're right. That's the first step of not going too far in how we're dressing. Right. And I did not read this Shally's article. So even I though I sent it to you, I, yeah, I just didn't read it. I'm teasing you. It's all right. <laughs> um, but the second part of it is kind of the part of it that I kind of wanted to explore more with you because if that, what we just talked about is one end of the modesty kind of spectrum, the other end would be, um, I need to be super, super modest. Um, and you know, we kind of, I mean, I hate to call out a specific group, but like we think about like Amish folks, right? Like women have to dress like that. Men have to dress very plain, no colors, no anything. Um, which I feel like is also an unhealthy extreme because we are all created in the image of God uniquely. Um, and God created beautiful human beings. Like in, in one way we reflect the beauty of, of God in, in how we appear before people. Um, and so I think to completely deny that is to miss the second part of Chalice's definition, which is, think was to glorify God, right? Yeah. And he goes on in the article to talk about, you know, if that's what modesty is, so what is immodesty? And he's just talking about how it's just a way of showing pride and self-love. And he actually brings out the point that dressing in, in a way that the world would call super modest 
could actually be a form of immodesty because it's still a way for you to bring attention to yourself of like, oh, look at me. I'm not dressing in a provocative way, but I'm doing it in such a way that I still want people to look at me and notice how modestly I'm dressing. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a great point that he made. I've never thought of it that way. I just kind of think of it as like you're covering your body up, therefore you're being modest. Right, that's a great perspective. Um, Interesting. So, okay, so here's, so let's bring it to our marriage now. Um, How often does this idea of modesty cross your mind? So I think that, like I said, my mind tends more toward like, I'm not showing so much skin, therefore I'm like within the bounds of what it should be. But like, I'm being really honest with you, like today even I went shopping to get some new clothes. And as I was shopping, like what's going through my mind was not, is wearing this new outfit going to glorify God and love others? My thoughts were, how are people going to look at me when I wear this? How am I going to feel when I wear this? Like it, it's more of a sin struggle in my heart than I think I give credit for because I don't wear incredibly provocative clothing, but I still want people to see how I'm dressing and just, you know, even like, hey, your outfit's really cute. I want people to say that to me. Um, so I think it's something that's not prominently on my mind that maybe should be more um, just because it's a struggle in a way that maybe the world isn't defining it as a struggle, but like certainly I'm still wanting attention in some capacity. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of where I am as a man. I remember, um, so I go to, the Southern Baptist Seminary, and, and I've talked openly about this before. I love the school I go to. I really do. Um, but there is a, a small group of men, uh, of students, that I see around campus uh, who all dress the same. They wear really tight suits uh, to class and just around campus. Um, and I had a conversation with another student and just said, like, I, I almost feel like our school needs to have a standard for male modesty. Um, because these young men, uh, they look sexy, like in these suits and, and yeah, those like I'm, slim fit. And like, I'm not saying it to you know be funny, but like in a very serious way. Like, um, I wouldn't want. I think it goes both ways with modesty. Um, and I, I think one, I think on the other extreme, of course, is, um, you know, pastors who purposefully buy thrift store suits that don't fit like them, four sizes too big, right. And- um, to to combat it the other way, it's kind of there's a fine balance, um, and so and that's and that's where for me, like I'm a very extremes guy. You know that about me. It's like, like for me, video games are a trap, so I do not play them. They do not come in my house. You're like an all or nothing. It's guy. It's all or nothing. Like we cannot have them in here. Like <laughs> where another friend of mine is like, yeah, I really enjoy video games. I'll I'll play you know a couple minutes a day, and I'm like, dude, how do you play a couple minutes a day? without playing for eight hours, you know? So I'm a very extremes guy. Um, and so it's hard for me to, um, to find a, an in-between with modesty. And I think really it comes back to this kind of, I mean, I don't think we're building a theology here, but it is a theological concept of um, God has given us beautiful appearances, um, bodies that reflect his image, we need to be responsible with that in two ways. One, um, to love, I love this, I, to love others and to glorify God. I think that's just so good. Um, okay, so here's, here's a question, babe. Um, so in our marriage, so we talked about kind of our day-to-day. Um, how often do you think about this? 
How does how does modesty in marriage work um, between a husband and a wife? And what I mean by that, I think, because that's such a broad question, is is like, I know I've had conversations with you. And I was like, babe, ugh, I would not wear that outside the house. Um, and we we both have clothes that we don't wear outside the house, or even if we have guests over, we wouldn't wear here. So how how would this work in a household? Yeah, that's a good question. I recently-ish had a conversation with a friend about this where, you know, even if it's just like, hey, I'm wearing like yoga pants around the house or something, like that's something that I'm comfortable with you seeing me wear. But like, you know, if our pastor were to stop over unexpectedly or something, like I would be mortified that he saw me wearing certain things. And so I think it's just, you know, do we just not wear those things at all and just expect that, you know, a stranger might stop by or the neighbor might pop over or whatever, or is it just okay to wear those things knowing that it is only your husband or your wife seeing you? And I think I err on the side of like, ah, just wear it anyway. It's not that big of a deal. But again, I think that maybe I do need to be putting more thought into this of like, you know, today even I just had on some shorts that maybe were a little shorter than they should be. And I like took the trash out. Like what if the neighbor had been outside and had seen me wearing that, knowing that, you know, we have invited him to church before. Like, what representation is that of the gospel? Man, hmm. I think, I think we need to have more conversations about this, because you're right. I don't, I don't think about this at all. I mean, um, for me, in the household, uh, it's pretty common that I walk around without pants on. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Our daughter um, does not like that. Yeah, and... Um, we have a, uh, six, a five and a three year old. Sorry. Our kids just all had birthdays. So I had <laughs> to think to about their ages, six, five and three. Um, they're definitely past the age of they'll forget this someday. Um, and so I guess part of the conversation is, is how do we model modesty for our children within the home? Um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's just like, I just get out of bed. Uh, yeah, I read another article this week. I think it was the one that I read by Mary Moeller, who I love. You know, I, I love her. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> everything she reads is, or everything she writes, I try to read. She's great. But she was talking about this specifically about, you know, how do we model this for our children and raise up our daughters in this way of just loving, presenting themselves in a modest way. And um, one thing that she talked about was, it was specifically about Sundays, where she said, if you're spending more time preparing the way you look on Sunday than you do preparing your heart, like there's a major issue going into church on Sunday when you care more about how you look than the posture of your heart. But honestly, I think that could be applied to every day, where if you're just rolling out of bed and like being lazy about everything and like not preparing yourself for the day, spiritually and physically like i don't know there's some laziness about that that maybe just isn't appropriate maybe it's something we need to be taking more seriously because i don't think we do in our home enough right i didn't expect to come to this conversation with like the end goal of like coming out with definitive answers but i did want to have a conversation about it i think the way we might leave this is we need to keep having conversations about it um because it's definitely a topic like it's this all of Christ for all of life idea of like we want we want Christ in every part of what we do. 
Um, we don't want to neglect anything. And so maybe this is an area that we've neglected a little bit in our household. I think at the end of the day, it's more just where's the posture of your heart? You know, it's not going to be, like you said, definitive answers of like, can I wear a bikini or do I have to wear a one piece to the beach? But mm-hmm. like, what is the posture of my heart when I'm putting on these things? And I think the same could be said about, you know, when I'm wearing my sweatpants around the house, like, where is my heart in that? Am I wanting to present myself in a certain way? Or, you know, am I just being lazy? Like, where where is my heart in all of this? And I think at the end of the day, that's what we need to be looking at. Um, because like I said, for me, it's not a temptation to dress in a provocative way, but at the same time, I'm not being very mindful about what I am wearing. I'm just kind of like throwing on whatever's here. Mm -hmm. And I think on either extreme, I need to be putting more thought into like, okay, where is my heart in this when I'm choosing what I'm going to look like today? Wonderful. I love it. You ready for your, uh, John Piper question of the week? I am ready. All right. Okay. What signs of affection will you show your children? So I guess our, conver- our question would be, what signs of affection do you show our children? So I think before we had children, I didn't um, treasure or recognize enough how showing affection to children is such a balance of like actual affection of like saying kind things to them and like uplifting them, showing physical affection and balancing that with like a way to love you is by disciplining you and guiding you to Christ. We're like, really, that's the ultimate affection that we could be showing them instead of just like letting them go on their merry way and do whatever they want. I think before having children, I knew that discipline would be a part of parenting, but I didn't think of it as a way of showing affection to the kids. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think of it that way, but what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And certainly discipline is not like the only way we show affection. Like it is. So, all right, let's make a distinction then for the sake of the question. Um, Let's stick to non-discipline ways of showing affection. Because I I I agree with what you're saying. What you're saying makes sense. But I think like... um, maybe like our kids won't recognize that as affection until 10 years down the road. So what things do you do? What ways do you show affection to our kids so that they know that they, you love them Okay, in the moment? Yeah, so that's a good distinction. I'll go with it. Um, I think for me, probably the most important one is just one-on-one time with each of the kids. Um, it's maybe the most unnatural one for me. I tend to be fairly physically affectionate, so that one just kind of comes naturally. Um, but spending one-on-one, like, intentional time with the kids and showing affection that way, I think for them is the most, or maybe not the most, but just a very impactful thing that I don't make time for enough, but I think that it is an amazing way to show affection to the kids. What about you? I think for me, if if I could break it into three categories of one, I'm good at that. I do all the time. One I'm good at that. I want to do more and one that I'm not good at. So those are my three categories. So one that I'm good at is physical affection. So I feel like 
sometimes I even go overboard with just hugging and kissing the kids. Like I don't, I, I love to cuddle with our kids. Um, I mean, seriously, my favorite part of the day is like a, of the 24 hour day is when our daughter crawls into our bed. I mean, I just love it. Every single it's day. Almost, <laughs> it's almost every night. And I just, I can't wait for it. I mean, I'm, I send her to bed and say, are you going to come visit us later? Because I just love cuddling with sleepy little little girl, um, pulling her close and um, getting her back to sleep. It's just one of my favorites. So I love to show physical affection to the kids. Um, one that I wish you did more is I'd love to buy things for them. I love going to the store and looking for things to buy the kids. Maybe part of it is just like I want them to like me back, um, but I... I love to buy things for them. So, and I just almost never do it because I don't, I don't really go to the store very much, you know? So, um, yeah, that's one I would like, I would, I'm good at that I enjoy that I would like to do more. And probably the one I'm not good at is spending one on one time. I think, same thing for me. It, it feels unnatural, but the times that I have done it are so memorable. And I, and I think that our kids really enjoy it. I remember one time before we moved from Indiana, I took our middle son out for a walk around the track at the local park. Like he loved it and he still talks about it. And so I that's one that I wish that I'm not good at that I wish I was better at. And I think the only way to get better at it is to do it. So yeah, I think every time we do make time for it, after it's over, both of us are like, Why don't we do that more? We love it, they love yeah. it. Like it's just and it doesn't take that much time, you know, it could be thirty minutes here or ten minutes there. Like yeah. It doesn't take as much effort as I think we act like it does, but it's so amazing when we do make time for it. Yeah. Shame on us for not doing it more. Yeah. Rebuke. Rebuke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I tried really hard to think of a cutesy little title for this segment this week, and I've got nothing still, so. Send in your suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my just very in-your-face segue into... My quote, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, it is kind of a lengthy one this week, so I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit of it just to get the point across and then just kind of see what you think of it, okay? Hit All me. right, so it says, um, not only was I made in God's image destined to reign over his creation, but I realized that my children were destined to reign over it as well, so my job was to prepare them for their destiny and lead them to that destiny. I like it. I like it. I think it's kind of vague. Um, <laughs> I'm so critical with these these phrases. I'm like, oh, it's just very vague. Especially I'd be more I'm specific. Like, I'm giving you one quote out of a whole blog yeah. post, but I think like, um, okay, were we created in God's image? Yes. Um, the next part of the creation mandate is to subdue the earth and have dominion over it to fill it, um, and so that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Personally, I feel like it's a very broad. Uh, definition to have dominion over the world. I mean, us going to the moon, I would say, is us is humanity having dominion over God's creation. Um, and I think, I think applying it to kids is fine. I mean, applying it to anyone is fine. Is is realizing that someone else is created in the image of God is always something good. Um, I mean, that was the big conversation um, a few months ago. Was just the. I always mess up how you say it. The Imago Dei, 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 the Imago like Dei, 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 I think. I don't know Latin, um, but the image of God in others. Um, 
just kind of being our, our ruling perspective and how we treat one another. And then, you know, the second part of it is just uh, helping our kids understand that they are um, fulfillers of the second part of the creation mandate to subdue and have dominion over the earth. Yeah, I think that's something that I don't necessarily think about as actively as I should. I guess a lot of that's coming out today of things I need to be thinking about more. But just I think I have a pretty good understanding of what it looks like for adults to rule over creation. But like the fact that we're preparing our children to do that as well should probably be more prominent in our minds as we're raising our kids. I'll tell you the one thing I don't like about that quote is I do not like the word destiny. Oh, it's so worldly, isn't it? I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> it's so worldly. Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with just saying uh, it's God's will? It's the will of God that we fulfill his mandate. Um, I don't, I would like to look at it, and I, I probably won't. It's on my long list of things I would like to look at, but like, I don't know why Christians would use the word destiny. Yeah, I felt like it was, yeah, I felt the same way when I read it, where it's just like, I get what you're saying, but you're saying it in such a strange way that I just can't totally jump on board with it. It's kind of like when Christians say to other Christians, good luck. (laughs) Um, Like, we all know that's such a nonsense saying to say, but we say it anyway. Uh, Yeah, good. That's so funny. We could probably come up with a huge list of things like that. That would be a fun one to to put together. Okay, Uh, anything else? Um, Nope. I think that's all I've got. Um, Thank you all for listening. We will see you all again in two weeks. See ya. Good luck. (laughs) Imperfect Family is a part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, check out www.commuterministries.org.